pleasure to be pleasure to be with you this morning. My husband, Pastor Steve, is in Idaho attending his sister's memorial service. You know, many of you have been praying for her for several months now. Um, she went home to be with Jesus a few weeks ago um, after a brief but really courageous battle with ALS. Uh, and I do thank you so much for all of your prayers along the way for her family. I mean, we prayed uh, for Pastor Steve Wednesday night here. It was just, it was a powerful time because it's also been a difficult time, as you can imagine, for him. Um, ALS, if you're familiar, it's a particularly horrendous disease, but the awesome part of this is Jenny knew Christ. And um, she she walked in the power and the comfort and the help, the strength of the Holy Spirit the whole way through it. In fact, she would encourage Steve, my husband sometimes, she'd be like, don't get mad, don't, don't cry. God has a plan. God is good. I mean, this, to see the strength that came from her and to stay faithful to the very end, to pass on to be with Jesus. And we know that she's healed and in glory now with all the saints that have gone before us, um, and she stayed as a faithful witness of Christ. And that does bring him glory. Her memorial service is actually this afternoon. Um, and we've been praying that through this all, that God would draw people to Christ. You know, that God does work things for good. It doesn't say that God, you know, that sickness necessarily is good. But he's going to work good through it. He's going to work good through the things that happen you're going to put it all together and work something good. And so we're believing that as people hear the testimony of her life, and they saw how she went through this, that it will draw people's eyes to Jesus. And so we know that she's with the Lord. Scripture says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so we all live with that living hope, don't we? I know that's, that's a, quite a comfort for me. And so we are believing um, that God will continue to do these good things, even through our trials, our tribulations, we will have them in this life. Well, amen? In the midst of the sorrows and the pains of this life, um, God can bring good things out of it. He is a way maker. You know, we just sang this song, <laughs> A Miracle Worker. He's the, I thought about this song. He turns graves into gardens. So he can bring good. He can redeem. This is why we trust him to be a redeemer. And so in the backdrop of you know, what happened to Jenny, her sickness and her passing on, I felt led to share with you today about the healing power of Christ. <laughs> the healing power of Jesus Christ. And I, let's just pray before we begin. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the living hope that we have in you. I thank you for your promises and your faithfulness. I thank you, Jesus, that you are a healer. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we will believe you for this, Lord. Just as Jason was saying, that even if we don't see something now, we're not going to give up and draw back. We stand with you on your promises, Jesus. And so I ask you, Lord, as I minister the word of God to you today, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding to see how good you are, to see how you can turn what seems like a grave into a garden in our life. You give beauty for ashes. And just like that words in that song, you're the only one who can do it. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, do that in our heart. Whatever it is, like Pastor Ben was saying, you might be dealing with, if it's not sickness, it may be some other kind of trial, difficulty, sorrow in your life. Work good, Lord. We trust you. You are a good God. You are a faithful God. And so open up our eyes. Open up. We open up our ears on purpose by faith to hear you this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So sometimes if we don't see the outcome of our prayers, like for instance in this situation for healing, it is easy to draw back. Anybody done that? You know, I know over the years we've prayed for people. I've prayed for people over the years. And, you, and I've prayed for people and I've seen healing. We've also prayed for people and didn't see healing. We prayed for Jenny and didn't see physical healing but you know his promise is true because she's completely healed now um, but it's easy to get disillusioned and it's easy to lose our confidence and go I don't know I don't know if God's will is to heal and maybe 
I don't want to give somebody some kind of false hope. And we, has anybody ever felt like that? I know I have. I know I've been guilty of that. And, and I think about John the Baptist, you know, when he was put in prison by King Herod, thrown in prison for the preaching. He was obeying God, faithful to God, preaching against sin and, and calling people to repentance. And Herod throws him in prison, you know, because he publicly, John the Baptist publicly re, rebuked Herod for divorcing his wife and taking on his brother's wife. And uh, so he throws him in prison, and we know the story. He's eventually beheaded. And so John, before he's beheaded, he sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, ask him, are you the one, or should we wait for another? Think about it. John saw the Spirit, when he baptized Jesus, he saw the Spirit descending on him, like like, like a dove, it says. He knew he was the Messiah. He proclaimed, you know, this is the Lamb of God. He was supernaturally aware of that. It was a supernatural moment. And now John is in prison. And he's knowing that Jesus is out there preaching the gospel, healing the sick. I I think John didn't expect maybe this kind of outcome, right? I'm in faith. I'm in obedience from his early days. And here I am in prison. And Jesus' answer says so much. He says, go tell John what you see. That the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the dead are getting raised from the dead, and the poor are hearing the gospel preached. In other words, the power of God has not quit flowing. In fact, it's just getting started. Like the arrival of God's kingdom reign came with the appearance of Christ in the earth in his ministry. And it came just as John would have known it was prophesied. And then he says this in Luke 7.23. Well, I put this up on PowerPoint. And blessed is he. He tells him this. The lame are walking, the blind are singing. He said, and blessed is he who takes no offense in me. And who's not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble whatever may occur. So... Jesus is flowing with the supernatural power of God. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's raising the dead. And yet Jesus, who said John was the greatest prophet, you know, who would, who would introduce the prophet raised up to prepare the way for the Lord, was left in prison. Sometimes we would ask ourselves, like, now, why, why didn't Jesus go and do something about that? Why didn't he take his power Get them out of there. Why? Why, why, why? How many times have we asked God, why does it have to happen this way? And this really is where we have to combine the promises of God and the outworkings of all these things with, I'm going to use the word sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. Because from him, to him, and through him are all things. And, you know, the manner that God's will and purposes all get put together in our life. It's God's prerogative. How this all works together. We do not understand all the backdrop of things. It's so easy for us to try to, you know, put A. Well, if if A plus B is going to have to equal C... With God, it's like he just sort of takes it all off the table. He says, you know, forget A, B, and C, and one, two, and three should go to four. Because sometimes it can be surprising um, and not make sense to our natural mind. And all these things can be a mystery to us. And we have to be okay with the mystery. God is in the mystery. It's not just a mystery. God is in the mystery. And we cannot let the things, like you didn't come through for me the way I wanted, let that, like what Jesus said, blessed is he who does not stumble whenever these kinds of things occur that you don't understand. Because like I said, God says that I will, he he tells us that in Romans 8, 28, that he's working all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
It doesn't say again, what happens is good. I don't believe sickness is good in God's eyes. Do you? I mean, what parent would have their child get sick and go, well, this is a good thing? No. How much more <laughs> would our Heavenly Father, uh, sickness is not a good thing. And so I, I do struggle with people who say, well, it's, uh, you know, let the will of God. It must have been the will of God. I say that God will work all things for good because there's no sickness in heaven. There's no demonic oppression in heaven. There's no bondages in heaven. Um, and, and we live in a very sinful, fallen world. Where all kinds of things are going to come against us and they're not good. We can't call everything good. Well, uh, well this must be something good in God's eyes. No. <laughs> but in his, God's sovereignty, he sees it all. He knows it all. He cares about it all. He's not looking the other way like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> he sees it all. He's in it all. And he's, he's going to work it all. He's perfect in all his ways. We just sang that. You know, when we get to heaven, there'll be some things that maybe we're going to go to Jesus first of all and go, why did this happen? And he's going to show us. He's going to, you're never going to be able to accuse. I could never accuse him. You did wrong. You were unjust there. So there are going to have to be some things in the sovereignty of God that we just put on a shelf in our mind, in our heart, and go, I don't understand, but I do know that God is good. And he can turn a grave into a garden. He can redeem the things that are difficult and sorrowful, painful, even death in my life, and bring good out of it so that we can go on because in the end, death has been swallowed up by life, Right? That's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your victory and sting? Because ultimately, the devil has been defeated, and eternal life belongs to us, and we will all one day walk and be walking in the purity of it. And so I would be naive and really foolish to stand up here and think I could give you any quick way, any quick answers, you know, as to why we don't always see healing manifest when we pray. But I've decided in spite of that, to believe in the healing power of Jesus. And not draw back and not get offended and not get more timid. In fact, that's why I thought, well, then I'm going to minister today about the healing power of God. Because your word is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've seen him heal. And I believe he will continue to heal. The devil, who would want us to draw back? The devil, shh, be quiet. You don't ever know. Don't, don't, don't pray. No, no, we're going to stay bold in our faith. And I'm going to continue, and I believe I'm encouraging you to do the same. Put your faith in the healing power of Christ. Because it was purchased for you and me. Why would I say that? Because it's based in the word of God. It was purchased for us at the cross. It was secured for us at the cross and resurrection. And you're never going to change that truth. God's word stands. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You're not going to change what some of these scriptures we're going to look at today, like Isaiah 53. You can never change that truth. His blood that he shed on the cross and what it did for us to bring us salvation, it's on the mercy seat in heaven. And it's still speaking mercy. It'll never lose its power. We used to sing that song a long time about the blood that will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest heavens and flows to the lowest valleys. Anybody remember that song? <laughs> the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. And so in the new covenant, we're told in Hebrews 4.16, I'll put this up on the Screen, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It doesn't say at some point as in your walk with God, if you get too disappointed, just draw back. No, it's this word is forever. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We, we, we have to cast down those thoughts that God doesn't care. Of course he cares. 
Again, we live in a fallen world, and our walk of faith is going upstream against a, a large current of the age. And we've got to learn to strengthen in our faith, to stand fast. We've got to hold fast to our faith in Jesus. You know, again, one day in heaven, we will understand the mystery of why things happened the way they did. But again, I say it, God cannot do anything unjust. He's perfect in all of his ways. And so, until we reach the other side and pass over on into eternity with him, again, we have to just allow that mystery to be with God. And so, God, you'll show me. You're, you're good. And so, let's press on to understand why we will still press on to believe in the power of Jesus. And I'm gonna, I want to just lay the foundation in the Word of God because it's not just about some, some person's excitement about it, hope about it. We are standing on the Word of God. The foundation for our continued belief that Jesus is a healer is based in the never-changing Word of God. Isaiah 53 is a scripture you should have underlined. That's in the Old Covenant. But it's like the gospel of salvation prophesied in the old covenant. It's what Jesus was going to do for us. Isaiah, 750 years before even Jesus was born. He prophesied this is what the Messiah would do. It's a foundational scripture when he shed his blood. Isaiah 53, let's read it. He was despised and rejected. Yes, wasn't he? And forsaken by men. A man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we didn't appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. And this was surely true of the people of Israel, the Pharisees. But look at verse 4. Surely, surely, not maybe, but surely he's borne our griefs. And that word in the Hebrew means sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. And carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. You see, the penalty for our sin was on him at the cross. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. As if with leprosy. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Verse 5. But he was wounded. For whose transgressions? Ours. Like you should write in your Bible, like... Cross our out and put my in there. We must make these things personal. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your guilt and my guilt and iniquities. The punishment or the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us. Like until that penalty for sin was paid, <laughs> it was put upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, what are we? We are healed and made whole. Hallelujah. Yeah. Look at the next verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. Because the word tells us everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We're all wanting to do our own thing. But the Lord in his mercy and grace put upon him our guilt. He, it lighted upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. That is the gospel of our salvation. And it's not changing. <laughs> it was fulfilled with the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. That all was fulfilled. So your healing, my healing by way of looking at this scripture, was accomplished for us on the cross when he paid your sin debt. Now, take some time. I could say that. But it does take some time to really think this through and meditate on, on these truths. Sickness came into the earth through Adam and Eve's fall. And all the destruction, hatred, murder... Sorrow in this life that we see in the earth is a result of the working of sin. It's sin 
not God who's causing sickness. Then ultimately, you trace it back to where it began, sin in the garden. And sin and death were defeated where? At the cross, right? And Jesus in Romans 4 tells us that, or at the end of Romans, I think it's chapter 3, that, that when he rose from the grave, we were completely justified. If every sin debt wasn't paid for, he'd still be in the grave. But when he rose from the grave, that means you're cleansed, you're justified, just as if sin never happened. And when you think about it this way, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he did on the cross is still there for us to believe. And healing is just a vital part of our salvation. In, in Christ, in Christ we receive, it tells us in Ephesians, so great an inheritance. You know, this is the, the a will. The Bible is God's last will and testament. You know, testament is a will. So we have the New Testament. The, the, the will of God is found in here. And in here, we find that in Christ, we've been given an inheritance. Now, if you were told you were given some glorious inheritance, wouldn't you be like, tell me what it is I'm going to make. I'll make the meeting. I'll put it on my calendar. <laughs> like, I want to know. I want it. When do I get it? Well, it's all in here. See, Scripture says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So our blessings, we have to see them first really in the spirit, what, what we've been given in Christ. We want to just sort of feel it instantly. And the Lord is saying, when you read my word, I'm going to open up your eyes to see what you've been given. And this is where most, a lot of people drop off because we don't pick up this word enough and read it. But we've been given a glorious inheritance in Christ. And in Ephesians 1.8 or 118, Paul, you know, he prayed for the church in Ephesus that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who God was. How does that happen? Don't you want to know more about Jesus? I don't know about you, but I want to know him deeper. I want to understand who he is. Well, you cannot give yourself a revelation. It's going to come through the Spirit of God. Look at what it says in, in this. And this is what Paul prayed, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he's called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. You know, sometimes we feel very dull in these things because we just haven't, exposed our eyes to the light <laughs> and like and, and sometimes you know you meet people I remember early on in my walk with God I'd think how does this person know the Lord this way I want to know them know Jesus like they know Jesus and then I began to realize this person spends a lot of time reading the word of God and talking and asking open the eyes of my heart Lord I want to see you we sing that song Flood my eyes with light. I want to understand the hope of my calling and the riches of the inheritance that you've given me in Christ. Hey, these are prayers you need to be praying for yourself. You need to be praying them for your family. We pray them frequently at our prayer meetings. Because if we don't have accurate revelation of Jesus, then we might as well all just call this some religious club and we just all get together and try to do some stuff. We, we want to have revelation of who he is. Right? We want to walk in these truths. We want to see more healing. And I believe we, can, we will see more healing the more that we meditate and these things become more and more real to us. So that when we come to church and we come together, we're bringing, we're, we're, we're joining our faith together. Amen? I mean, we come to get built up, but then we should go home and during the week, maintain some level of spiritual food in our life so that when we come together, just think of, the, think of the power that happens when we come together and we're all ready to worship and we're all like, yes, God, you're going to do something. You're a way maker. 
This is what the church is meant to see, the glorious inheritance that we have. And because living in the world, our mind gets programmed. Amen. We come to Christ. Anybody who's come to Christ and begins to read the word of God and even listens to some sermons like this, you go, what? I never heard, I never knew that about my life. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> We've been programmed to cease everything from the natural. It's just normal. We have our five physical senses, and then we, we take what we learn, and we have our intellect, and, you know, people now, the whole thing is just follow the science only, like if what you can prove, right? But there's this whole other spiritual dimension. When you open up the Word of God, and, Jesus, and the Word says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, I wonder if you've ever asked the Lord, I want to understand the spiritual blessings. How do I partake of those? There's a whole other spiritual dimension in the word of God. Remember Jesus said his word is spirit and life. Spirit and life. So when we open up the word of God, we are partaking of his spirit and life. We are people, scripture says, who are people who are to walk by faith and not just by sight. Because you shut down the whole dimension of the spirit and so we our faith as we read these things is meant to come alive i'm sure that any each one of you if you've come to church for any length of time and you've listened to some sermons you walk out kind of yes would you say that like yes that's the holy spirit working on the inside of you going that's bringing you life hope freedom but, as we know, sometimes it doesn't take until we get to the car we get home. It's like somebody pulled the plug out. <laughs> this is why we have to stay, we have to keep feeding on this like it's spiritual food. We cannot just take that feeling and go, oh, I guess God's left me. No, he hasn't left. He'll never leave you or forsake you. It's our mind up here that tells us opposite and so we, the world has programmed our mind. This is the greatest reason why we have to renew our mind. Because when we renew our mind, it says we'll prove out the good and perfect will of God for our life. So this mind renewal is so important. When, when Jesus came and he was preaching and teaching and healing, that should give us a clue if it's his will. He went about teaching, preaching, and healing. It's how many times does it say that in the Gospels? A lot, yeah. And when he did this, he was announcing the kingdom of God, the reign of the kingdom of God is now manifesting on the earth. Remember his, the Lord's prayer. He, he taught the disciples to pray. We pray this prayer, but sometimes we do it mindlessly now. Our Father who art in heaven, if we pray it. I was, you know, I grew up, learning to just pray that prayer repetitiously you can forget what you're saying the meaning of it but he, he taught his disciples to pray you know our father who art in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven he prayed for god's kingdom to come and god's will to be done on earth here as it is in heaven and Satan is called the God, the little G, God of this world. Again, we live in a fallen world where there's death and evil and sickness and bondages. But God, Jesus came right in the midst of that, didn't he? He's like, the kingdom of God is here. And what did he do? Pre he taught, he, he cast out demons, he healed the sick, he raised the dead cleanse the lepers, blind to see. They were all glimpses of this is the kingdom. This is the power of the manifest power of the kingdom of God. God still wants his kingdom manifested in the earth, doesn't he? Do you want to be a carrier of that kingdom? So you have to also tell God that too. Like I want your kingdom to manifest in my life. I, I want your will to be done. And his will is healing. 
There is no sickness. There's no oppression in heaven. And when Jesus sent his disciples out, think about it. When he sent his disciples out to heal the sick, he said, I give you my power and authority to heal the sick, cast out demons. Tell people that the kingdom of God has come near you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus called it the gospel of the kingdom. We've sometimes, you know, narrowed it down to, just, to a salvation message about, for, and this is all awesome, it's good, self, forgiveness of sin and, and eternal life in heaven with Jesus. Well, that's what we think the gospel is, is only about. But it was an announcement of the coming kingdom and its power against the forces of darkness. And one of the main ways he demonstrated it, the coming reign of the kingdom, was by going about healing the sick, raising the dead. Look at what Peter, Peter in Acts 10, 38, Peter described Jesus' ministry this way. Acts 10, 38, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Look at Matthew 10, verse 7. This is Jesus as he's sending out his disciples. He said, and proclaim as you go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received freely give. See, healing is a free gift. Just like salvation is a free gift. He, you know, because oftentimes we feel like, well, I'm not maybe worthy enough to be healed. I, you know, didn't do enough. I didn't pray enough. But you don't earn your salvation. It doesn't come by our good works. Ephesians 2.8, look what it says, Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you've been saved. Grace is God's power and favor to give you better than what you deserve. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. So healing for us is a gift that comes through the work of Christ on the cross. And it's included in our great inheritance. Like sometimes if I'm saying these things, maybe it's just falling on hard, <laughs> hard heads. <laughs> because I know how that is. When I first heard this, it was like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I was trained as a registered nurse. And so all my background was, you know, it's funny. I went into nursing thinking, I'm going to help people to stay healthy. I don't know. I was so naive. All I <laughs> All I learned about was disease processes and sicknesses. and uh, So all these things were in the back of my mind. Well, when this happens, when somebody has that, then this is going to happen. It was hard to get that out of my head. Very hard. <laughs> that, that healing is a gift. That he wants you to be healed. And it is included in our great inheritance. And if you struggle with it like I did, you, have, you, you must... Continue to just read it and meditate on it in the Word of God. Look what it says in Matthew 8.16. This is a wonderful scripture. Matthew 8.16. Matthew is referring back to the, what we just read in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. This is whenever Jesus was going about in his ministry of healing. It said that evening... They brought to him many who were, under, who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed how many? All who were sick. All? Did, did, all? <laughs> That's a big word. I mean, it's a little word, but big meaning. Yeah. He healed all who were sick. Verse 17 explains why he said all. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Yes, 
Thank you, Lord. Now, you, you would think that the Jewish Pharisees of that day, you know, they were the religious people of the day. They were the people that were really well taught. Everyone sort of bowed down to them. They know God. We don't. They'll tell us about who God is. You would have thought that they could easily recognize the Messiah in front of them. They had read, probably memorized Isaiah, the whole book, 66 books, I think. <laughs> they, 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 they thought that they knew God. They read the Old Testament scriptures over and over and over again. But they were jealous of Jesus. They were jealous that people followed him. They were jealous of the miracles that he did. And they're jealous, of course, of the supernatural power. They hated him. They wanted to murder him. And because of that hardened attitude, their eyes were just shut. Their ears were just closed tight. There's Jesus standing right in front of them, performing miracles. And they're like, you're, you're doing this by the power of the devil. You know, and I think Isaiah prophesied about them too. Ever seeing, but never perceiving. Ever hearing, but never understanding. Lest you turn and be healed. And it's, what, it's just like what Jason was saying earlier. It's not as though it's, 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 it's a done thing. If you turn, you can turn. Lest you turn and be healed. And I give you the power to hear and the power to see. And so there's something about humility that's involved in all of this. You cannot come to God with your own agenda. We, we come and we bow down. Like we forget that he, we can forget that he's Lord. Yes, it says come boldly to the throne of grace. But it's almost like you're going to come boldly and you're going to kneel. Oh God, I need your help. You're not just coming in there, hey, God, you know, you're so, <laughs> I know you made me a child of God. No, we come in humility before him. And these people's hearts were not teachable. Obviously, they were not teachable. They refused to humble themselves. They refused to open up their heart and consider the possibility that maybe, maybe this is, uh, Jesus, maybe this is the Messiah the possibility that he was. You know, God will take, God will take your, a person, it's an amazing what God will show a person who's willing to just say, well, I'm going to go into neutral. I'm going to, if you're real, show me. And if, and if you really want to follow him, like if you're real, I'll follow you. That's a big open door. He will come. Because there's humility in that. It's like, I'll honor you. If you'll show me, I'll be willing to obey. The door will open to see him. But their unbelief shut out that power. And, and make no, you know, don't question this. Like, make no mistake. Unbelief in our heart will stop the flow of God's power. Unbelief will stop it. You think about Jesus. It said in his own hometown. People took offense at him. Well, we've known him all his life. Like, we grew up with him. He's just the carpenter's son. And I don't know who he thinks he is or what he's saying. They took offense at him. Then look at what happened, Mark 6, 5. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and, and healed them. And then look what it says. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled at it. We don't see Jesus marveling at much, and it wasn't a marvel like, oh, your unbelief is amazing, you know. <laughs> I'm marveling at it. No, he marveled at their unbelief. Here he is healing the sick, raising the dead, offering them eternal life. And they just like, who do you think you are? They snubbed him. And he could do no mighty work right in the face of unbelief. So we must allow ourselves to understand this and actually look at our own heart and go, maybe some of the reason why I don't see things is because of 
my own unbelief. But there's always hope for that. Because it's like that father who had the son, you know, that the demonically demonized son with seizures and he, when he yelled out to Jesus, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And he said to Jesus, you know, if you can do anything. And Jesus like, if I can do anything, all things are possible to him who believes. And so he said, well, help my unbelief. So there you go. Like, help my unbelief. So we should go to the Lord and go, help my unbelief. I want to put this aside. I don't want this to stop your power from working in my life. And the Pharisees, you know, Again, they were these highly respected religious people. They thought they knew so much. They held all these, these man-made traditions, rules and details to the rules, ceremonial hand. They were mad that they saw Jesus' disciples. You didn't, they didn't wash their hands before they ate and picked a, you know, ate a piece of bread. And I mean, the ceremonial washings were... Like, how much water to use? Like, if you're going to eat, I was looking some of this up, and it's going on today. I found a video. I, I almost wanted to play it because I thought, this is amazing. It was, a, it was a rabbi who was teaching how to wash when you've come out of the market. And he had a little basin, and he had a cup, and he said, you know, that depending on how much bread you're going to eat, if it's an egg-sized piece of bread, then you need this much water and you have to pour it over a basin, and you have to pour it just from your wrist down, and, and when you do it, don't talk. I mean, this was very serious. Do not talk, you know, because this is going to not cleanse you if you, if you talk during this time, and if you use too much water. And, and then when you're drying your hands, um, he said, say the blessing while you're drying your hands. Don't wait to say the blessing after you've dried your hands and put the towel down because the blessing will not come upon you. I just kept listening and thought, wow, we'd be lost. <laughs> and Jesus, in his day, rebuked the Pharisees for these man-made traditions because they were holding so tightly to them, they carried the traditions higher than the word of God. You know, no, my traditions. And Jesus is standing right in front of them. <laughs> and it had effect on the power of God that could flow. And even open their eyes to see who he was. And look at what Jesus said to them. And this is in Mark 7.13. I took this from the Amplified. It says, And thus you're nullifying and you're making void and of no effect the authority of the word of God through your tradition, which you in turn hand on. Like they kept teaching this and teaching this. This is the way we do it, generation to generation. And many things of this kind you're doing. And the context of this is still relevant for us today. When it comes to believing God for healing, deliverance, miracles, people will say, well, that's not what I was taught. That's not what my other church has said. And sometimes, you know, I've said, well, have you looked in the Bible to see? Well, not exactly. <laughs> But it's like, I know, I respect this person who teaches. And they said, the gifts of the Spirit have all passed away. Healing stopped with the last apostle when he died. And so that's what I believe. How many have come from traditional ways of thinking that would end up blocking in your mind if you hold fast to that and go, well, wait a minute. What does the Word of God say? It's a, and let's hold this up higher than the traditions that maybe we've been taught along the way. I've, I've had people, we've had people come and go from this church because we do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We do pray for the sick. We do believe in praying in an unknown tongue, a spiritual language. And, you know, we don't, people come and go and say, it's of the devil. I'm like, well, there's nothing, show me the scripture. <laughs> Well, I can't really, but it's show me the devil, you know. Well, or show me the scripture. I just know it's the devil. We have to be teachable people when it comes to healing. We must be humble. We must be teachable if we're going to receive from the Lord. Search the scriptures. Do a study. We can't say, well, that's too hard. Well, then you go without. Sometimes we just go without. We have to just be real with ourselves 
and go, well, if I'm not going to take time to study it out and, and meditate on it and ask God about it, and I just want an instant answer, God doesn't have instant answers, have you noticed? <laughs> a lot of things take a long time sometimes for these revelations to come to our heart. But see, just as unbelief will shut down the power of God, faith will open up the power of God in our life. Jesus said, all things are possible to who? To him who believes. What am I supposed to believe? I'm supposed to believe the scripture when we go, we, this is God's will. So if he says all things are possible to a person who believes, I go to the word of God and say, what does it say in there? And even in light of seeing people that you pray for, like <clears throat> Jenny, Steve's sister, passing on to be with Jesus, would love to have seen her raised up. But even in light of that, let's keep growing in our faith for the power of Christ to work maybe in the next person. You know, I've listened to enough people talk about their healing ministries and say, I prayed for two years and didn't see one healing. And then all the power broke loose. And I think you could have given up after one month or two months or three or four or 12 months. And it gives me courage and it inspires my faith to go, you know what? We need to, do, we need to be believers, right? And not doubters. And believe in what he did for us on the cross. That his great love for us was expressed on the cross. It's never changing. Isaiah 53 is not changing. It, his love compelled him to do this for us. And what, why do I believe? I base my faith on the finished work of Christ. I'm not basing it on my worthiness. If you base it on your worthiness, the devil will talk you right out of it. Well, you haven't prayed enough. You haven't gone to church enough. You, have, you don't believe enough. Salvation was a free gift, right? Remember he told his disciples as they went out, freely you've received, freely give. See, God's grace, you know, to heal us, is, it's not based on our own merit. It's based on Jesus' merit. This is the problem. We, we, tend, to, we tend to like... We, we approach faith like, do I have enough faith? But, but Jesus said he had a mustard side. He had a mustard side or seed-sized faith. You could speak to a mountain or speak to the sycamore tree and say, you know, be pulled up and cast into the sea. Why would he say that? Because our faith is not, it's not about how much faith I have. It's about who and where it's resting. I, when I'm speaking faith, I'm actually, I should be in my heart glorifying Jesus. It's like, look what he did for me. Look what he's done for me. We have to believe that he made us worthy in Christ. Faith is like a living trust in a person. When I have faith for a promise, I look to a person, not like, do I, have I prayed enough? And there, here's the thing. Your prayers and your time spent in the word of God, meditating, open the eyes of my understanding, Lord. There is a need for that. We cannot discount that and go, and when I say, well, have I prayed enough? Well, maybe we haven't because we haven't even meditated long enough to, to go, what? This is what you've done for me? So prayer is important. But the healing itself is not based on your worthiness. God is willing to heal anybody. <laughs> Freely you've received salvation and God's authority really in our life and freely give. This is why if you come up for prayer and we pray for healing, it's not a matter of, and no one's going to ask you, well, how much have you read of the Bible this week? <laughs> and a mustard seed is pretty tiny. So just take that little mustard seed. We've all been given a measure of faith. Take it and, and learn to put that trust in Jesus. Get, get our heart established in the word of God. It's, the scripture says faith comes how? Hearing what? 
the word of God. See, we say, well, I need more faith. I feel like I'm just doubting and I'm, my, my mind is all squirreled up over here in fear. Well, faith comes by hearing. Spend more time coming together, listening to sermons about healing, reading about it, read a book about it. This is the way our faith becomes enlarged. Amen? Talking, communing with the Holy Spirit. Help me. Open up my eyes. I hate that doubt. I cast it down, those, those doubting thoughts. So sometimes people have made healing into some kind of formula. <laughs> well, if you do this, 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 and this, <laughs> then this will happen. And we've all been disappointed when we've tried to go that route, right? <laughs> I know I have. I remember years ago, the, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, stop all of that. Confessions and, you know, you're trying to make something happen. And then really, if it did happen, you'd get all the glory. Well, look, what, look how hard I worked for this. And here's what you need to do. Do what I did. And so, it's not a formula. It's a trust. It's a deep and living trust in a, per, in a God who is good, in a God we believe who, who did give us power at his death and resurrection. I have one more scripture because I think this, see the time here, 1140. I think this Proverbs 4, this, this has helped me, it continues to help me to remember how the power of healing works in our life. These are the basics, really. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Now we're back to the word of God. Listen carefully to my words. So, you know, in order to do that, you have to shut off some things in the world. You have to shut off sometimes the social media. I mean, we could spend... Waste hours of time scrolling, and before you know it, it's like, I wasted an hour. Are we paying attention to what God says? Are we giving him more time than we do other things? Listen carefully to my words. And you really can do this driving in the car. You could put a CD on and listen to the word of God. You can listen to preaching about healing. We have to just make that effort. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. And I think we all know when we lose sight of them. Your mind and the atmosphere in your mind is all negative. You're talking negative. You're thinking negative. Your perspective on the future is negative. It's like, uh, I'm losing sight of God's word. <laughs> Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Now, Again, that, that takes some effort to penetrate deep because oftentimes there's a whole process of learning to pull down strongholds that have been in your mind that talk against healing, the traditions of men. No, no, no. It's like this can be a process. It is a process. Let them penetrate deep into your heart for they bring life to those who find them. They bring what? Life to those who find them. Not, that word is interesting. Find them. Find them. That implies that you've got to be looking. I'm looking for something. I'm asking, open up the eyes of my understanding. They bring life to those who find them. And what do they do? Healing to their whole body. What an amazing promise. I mean, there you go. That, that's a word forever settled in heaven. Look at verse 23. This is so important too. Guard your heart above all else. See, you're, because it says, for it determines the course of your life. You know, the Pharisees' hearts were hard, and it did determine the course of their life. The people that heard the gospel and came with a humble heart we're healed. It determines the course of your life. So our heart set is important to how much God can work 
in our life in so many ways, not just for healing, but for so many things. Guard your heart above all else. Guard it from unbelief. Guard it from the traditions of men to be guiding you. And pay, pay close attention. In other words, keep God's word in the forefront of your mind and your heart. And then you have to ask yourself, is Jesus willing? Well, what, is he, what do I see in his word? I mean, even after this message today, you go, is Jesus willing to heal? Yes! I would hope that you would go, well, yes. <laughs> you know, is he able? Yeah, he's able. I mean, we, we're all really good about that. <laughs> yes, God's able. Like, he's got the power, but it's that willingness. Does he want to heal me? Well, at the cross, he said yes. At the cross, he said, I'm buying, I'm purchasing your freedom. And has he changed? No. Has he stopped desiring to heal? No. He's the same. Scripture says yesterday, today, and forever. So just, I just, I encourage you to let go then as we seek God for healing. And, I, and I'm going to invite you after this, if you have need for healing in your body, you feel like I want healing prayer, come forward then we'll pray with you because God does work through laying on of hands for healing he sent out his disciples to go into all the world you know preach the gospel lay hands on the sick and they'll recover we have we come to him in faith we believe his word and then we do have to let go and trust let go and trust. Leave, you know, here I am, Lord. I'm your workmanship. I'm coming to you for healing. And we do leave the outcome with him. We, we have to be this way. We have to go, well, Lord, I can't heal myself. I'm coming to you, asking you. I can't work hard to make something like this happen. I don't want, to, I don't want it to be that way. I don't want to take the glory myself. So all, all glory belongs to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let's just be quiet here for a moment before we close out. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to... You've been here. You've prayed. Your presence is here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to manifest your presence, Lord, in healing. We've been speaking about healing. Show us, Lord. Let's just wait on him a moment. power to move in this place. Move upon hearts. Move upon physical bodies. Do what only you can do. You are a miracle worker. We worship you. encourage you if there's anybody in here that feels like I, I want prayer for healing that your faith is there for healing if just you could come forward now or we could do it after the service but I do believe the anointing for healing is here take our mustard seed faith and we lay it on you Lord is there anybody 
I'm going to just call anybody forward now before we close. That would just like a very simple prayer for healing. Anybody before we?
sometimes you can even you can feel something even almost instantly that happens. I don't know if that happened to anybody in here, but the power of God is working in you. I think this is one thing we have to remember, that the power of God is working. Even if you don't feel something instantly, we're trusting that prayer is working. Prayer is helping. Yes. Did anybody feel anything different? You did? Praise God. What was it that you... Continue to pray and speak about the wonderful healing power of Jesus.